0: You are listening to Prove Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy.
1: Hello and welcome to Prove Text. I'm Michael Halcombe and I'm here with Fred Long. Fred, how's it? Hey, doing well, Michael. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, Nice, uh, cool day here in Hawaii and uh, good weather. We've had a lot of rain lately, so Yeah. yeah it's a good good day yeah. here.
0: Good. Sun's nice. Yeah, we've it's been a little bit cloudy, but today it's uh nice and sunny but cold. So I woke up yeah. and it was twenty outside. It's a little ooh, cold. Ooh, ooh. But in about a week it'll warm up to the fifties. So mm. uh maybe some fishing weather. Yeah, the white mm. bass will start to run and that'll be fun. And sauger can be caught now and walleye perhaps, but uh It's a little cold to get out there. Yeah, I bet.
1: Well, um, we are still in Galatians four, and today we uh, are going to look at verses. What is it? uh, Four fourteen and fifteen. Yeah, four fourteen and And four fifteen. Yeah. So let me uh, let me share. This is I've been using this a lot, even on the podcast. step bible and uh if you've been watching the podcast for a little bit now you know that i really champion this it's free really powerful uh program and i committed to you and fred check this out um you color can coding color code the grammar check oh my out. gosh okay that's good. Immediately, to know. yeah immediately does it for you so you can, um, you,
0: you can define those, right? Or is that the template that it comes with right away?
1: Uh, it Yeah, you can configure it however yeah. you'd like. Oh, good. Yep.
0: Awesome, yeah. man. Those guys are really rocking it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm going to turn it off just because it's not my thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure, sure. Uh, so uh, let me increase the font size here a little bit, and uh, we'll get going. So we're on – Verse uh, 14. Yeah. See, uh, And I'll read it. It's kind of lengthy. And then we'll uh, discuss sort of grammatically, contextually, theologically what we see going on. But it reads this way Caton pirasmon imon in de sarcimu uk exultinesate ude expetusate. Allah os angelon Now, if you were watching this, you'll see that uh, whenever I hover over a word, it gives you like a quick lexicon down at the bottom. Um, That can be a a little annoying if you're just wanting to sort of scroll over words, uh, but you can turn that off easily as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and leave it on. So when I hover over a word, it'll give me uh, the lexical... uh, content down below but also at the very bottom some grammatical content give me frequency and all kinds of stuff and there's a feature that you can turn on to get more uh info as well so i can also turn on the grammar and do this sort of thing i can turn on can make it an interlinear i can do all sorts of different things so awesome great resource yeah good deal Um, but lead us off what are you what are you seeing here yeah um so last time we
0: looked at the forensic pardon me the forensic nature of Galatians you know Paul says uh, haven't you wronged me and this this word for wronging in verse 12 a this verb is a, is a typical verb from a typical word family of injustice and committing wrongs that's used mm-hmm. in forensic judicial rhetoric. I, and I didn't stress that point. I did quote Mullins that this is more forensic than fond. And that's that's why, because he's using this language of wrongdoing. Um, so before
1: I get when into- When you ver- say fond, what do you mean? But I'm saying what again? More forensic than fond,
0: like friendly, like friendship. Oh,
1: fond, fond. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Then, then okay. friendship based. Uh, you know, and, and people sometimes interpret this as a, a friend according to friendship themes. But there really is more. Uh, I would I would I would suggest and uh, in, in argue that there's more forensic. I agree with Mullins, at least in terms of verse 12. That's what he was saying, but in the larger uh, letter. Uh, so verse 14 begins with a ke, which means and, thematic addition. Uh, I'm going to take it as starting uh, a new clause, You know, adding one clause to a previous clause, and I'm going to do, you're going to see me make an interpretive decision that will be seen in my translation, that the accusative case there, ton perismon, um, is an accusative of reference. And with respect to your temptation in my flesh, Mm. you neither despised nor disdained uh, and then we ha- we have to imply something there, and that implied object is me, and I'm going to get that from the final clause, which is the correction. So you you didn't do these things, Allah. There's the correction. Al os, but as an angel of God, you accepted me as Christ. Jesus So the me is the uh implied object of despised and rejected So what I what I uh, all together then so with respect and with respect to your temptation in my flesh you did not despise nor reject me but you received me as an angel of god as Christ Jesus
1: why not just messenger of God? Why? Why do we need to go celestial or whatever on this? I mean, oh sure, that's what he was. He was a messenger of yeah. God.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good, good correction. Yeah, I take that as a friendly amendment.
1: Yeah, <laughs> as a messenger of God. Sure. I, I, I want to talk about this word pirasmon. Yeah. Uh, because. Well, I don't know how you're taking it as testing or tempting. Yeah. But what's the other Greek word? It's slipping my mind right now. For there's another Greek word for test or temptation. That's very common. I can't, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, uh, let me do you see have if any? Can, let me see if I can find it. Um, uh, because there's a difference between a. A test and attempt. Those are like two pretty different things.
0: Yeah. Dokime is a trial.
1: Dokimon uh,
0: dokimion is a proof. So I don't think you have those in mind. Um, no. What's the word? Uh, pira? Pira? That's is, what that is this is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know that there is another word. I'm not familiar with it. There
1: is. I'm. You are. Once I tell you it, you'll be like, "Oh, okay, yeah." Um, tempt. It's the difference between tempt and test, right? Um, huh? Uh, I don't know. Keep keep talking. I'll I'll try to find it here. Okay. Uh, All yeah. right. Um. So for me, you know, what's meant
0: by trial or temptation? I think would be Paul, and why is it in his flesh? What would be the trial or temptation with regard to Paul's flesh? It's his Jewishness. It's the fact that he is different in terms of being uh, ethnically marked out as someone different. This is the trial or temptation with regard to his flesh. Now, if he just asked them to become like me as i am like you uh this this would suggest that when when they met when paul was preaching the gospel there there was a temptation somehow with regard to paul to uh reject him because he's because mm-hmm. there's maybe some implication that paul would be asking them to become a jew he, in other words he, he is preaching the gospel of of the jewish god revealing himself in jesus and there could be a temptation with regard to him and, and to become like him in a way that wouldn't be appropriate wouldn't be appropriate in fact that's the that's what's being presented to the galatians after paul left was you need to become fully jews in terms of being circumcised and i would suggest uh, if if we follow troy martin's thesis that in response to that push to conform to judaism and the stipulations of judaism in terms of circumcision but the galatians said uh no thanks we're gonna stay pagan if 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 it means that we have to become jews because we don't want to become jews there's a lot of stigmas with becoming jews it's very painful to become circumcised um and if we if we if if we don't want to do that uh then we're gonna to just to stay pagans and follow the pagan calendars and and not really be converts then of Christ because we don't want to come under the law. If this is the situation then then it's easy to understand what temptation they had. They they were tempted to reject Paul outright because simply he was a Jew. And this might imply that they to accept his message would become would have to become Jews. So um So what Paul says is, you need to become like me, not in terms of being a Jew, but by this point, he's already explained what he is like. He is one who uh, has been crucified with Christ. So if you go back to Galatians 2.20, Paul has radically uh, uh, moved away from his zealousness for Jewish law and custom. So he explained that history, that narrative in chapter 1 and 2, and it culminates to him saying, I've been crucified with Christ, and I do no longer live, but the life I live in the body, the life I live in the body, that is the flesh, the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Okay, Now this is my life verse, Galatians 2.20, and he uses the word Mm. flesh there. And so he is now, now he can just look at them and say, look, you know my stance. You know how I'm related to my Jewish heritage and the zealousness that I once had. I've left that and I've been radically reformed in Christ and I've actually been crucified with him. And so I'm asking you to be like me because actually I am like you. Now, what would that mean? I'm also like you. I'm living in the world, not under the pressure to conform to the Jewish law. Now, did Paul do stuff under the Jewish law? Well, Acts shows him taking vows, um, but I don't think he had that compulsion uh, to, to have to live that way. And he was able to, to move in and amongst uh, Gentiles and to have fellowship with them. And so uh, there's some sense that he's freed from, from that. So, uh, yeah, so I think this is how I would understand verse 14, that the temptation is is one to reject and despise him because of his circumcision, because of his ethnicity, his flesh. And they didn't. They didn't reject him. They initially accepted Paul. They're on board with the message until some other missionaries came in, some other rivals that then said, you have to come under the law, be circumcised, and these kinds of things, and started to trouble them, really, really started to agitate and trouble the Galatians. And Paul is just about to call those missionary rivals out, those opponents. Uh, And we'll see that in the next few verses. Uh, We're not there yet. Now we're looking at the issue, the, the kind of friendship issue, the injustice issue that Paul has with with the Galatians as a whole. So yeah, that's my take
1: on it. Verse 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you were right about the doki mazo or the doki mas. uh, the, what I was looking for. I was okay, just thinking this tripped a wire in my mind about the difference between a test and attempt. Yeah. And so I, I wonder, I wonder though, like if, Tempt might not be the right one here Or offering an alternative What if test is what is in view Um, That it's not a temptation to reject him Because he's a Jew Although I'm not necessarily against that view uh, But an alternative might be that They were testing him In his flesh Basically based on the whole issue of circumcision or not right um and so maybe they're they're testing him in other words on that issue of circumcision like they initially they weren't they they didn't but now it has come to the fore that they are testing him on that fleshly issue
0: oh so the Uh, the test or temptation is current so You might say, yeah. and now with regard to your temptation or trial with regard to my flesh, once at, at one time you neither despised nor rejected, but you rather accepted me as a messenger of God, as Christ Jesus uh, himself, so to speak.
1: Yeah, is something along those lines. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't see it that way, but yeah. I mean, we're we're trying to fill in information yep. here, like what what is going on here. Yeah, I mean, pe- um, Pierasmos uh, certainly has with his, within its semantic range, test or trial. I mean, that's his first. That's the first definition listed under BDAG is test or trial. Um, and then the second definition is to attempt to make someone do something wrong. Yeah, so this is an ordeal. There's some kind of temptation or trial or testing, that came up with regard to his flesh that they did not uh, succumb to, I would say, in the initial of the Gospels.
1: So I might render it something like this. And with regard to your trial about my flesh, you didn't despise or reject me, but as a messenger of God, you welcomed me as... Christ, the anointed, or is, as the anointed Jesus, or as Christ Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Well, so let's go to the next verse. Well, yeah, well, just, uh,
0: just a quick point though, is that this K in verse 14 connects it back to verse 13, right? So those are closely connected, and the what's envisioned here is, is that former proclamation of the gospel to them. Yeah, so that's what this is being added to. Yeah, that he preached the gospel to you formally uh, because of the weakness of the flesh. That is the moral frailty and weakness of the flesh. Okay, how about verse 15?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting to, to try to put for, uh, 13 and 14 together. Well, yeah, 15. So, So, of the
0: all right, uh, yeah, so this is Ascendaton, verse 15, there's no connector uh, connecting 15 to 14, no conjunction. Uh, instead, we're getting a question, and that's why I would suggest that there's a series of questions that are being asked what about here. about
1: what about
0: un? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the un. Yeah, sorry. But there is, there is a question. Yeah, poo. So where therefore, where then is your blessedness? Yeah, it's on the other side. It's post-positive, so my sentence wraps. So yeah, I didn't see that. Un is marking uh, new development uh, as well as, uh, I think it's inference. There's some kind of uh, inference being... Uh, Furthered, so uh, the inference has to do with the fact that you know at one point they accepted him as a messenger as as Christ. Yet now, but there's a, a further inference and and the new development, the distinctive development, that he's going to ask in terms of a question: Where is your favor? Where is your blessedness? Or your blessing, and presumably the blessing would be with regard to Paul. So where is there? Therefore, where is your uh, blessing with regard to Paul? Four. Mm. Four. Uh, So there's a presumption that that, uh, it's hard to be found. Where is it? It's gone. So your blessing is gone. Where is it? And now he's going to now he's going to support that with a gar statement, the conjunction gar for I testify to you that. So this is a um, this is forensic <laughs> when you're offering testimony with regard to a state of mind or some action or event. You're in a forensic mode. This is how forensic discourse uh Uh, works is that you have a charge and an accusation and then you bring forth testimony uh, to support this or that claim. And defendants or uh, 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 um, prosecutors, they use defendants or testimony. And so here Paul is offering his own perspective as a piece of testimony. And he's using, again, this is a technical term that is very much at home in controversies and court cases I testify to you that if you were able that if able that if if possible plucking out your eyes you gave them to me if possible By plucking out your eyes, having plucked out your eyes, you gave them to me. Now, I want to translate that a bit differently. I want to translate it as if there was an on there. Mm. An on. Uh, Particularly with the e in the, uh, where would it go? Uh, Which clause? We have a condition here. and if I think it, it would go with the protesis, would have given it to me. I'm wanting to take it, translate that with an on, which would make this a past contrary to fact condition. In other words, you didn't do this, but you could have. But I'm, 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 I'm throwing that out there as an argument. Or would have. Yeah, that you would have done this, but I I know that you didn't. Um, He doesn't mark it for past contrary to fact. And I think the reason being is because he, he, by doing so, he would be creating more um, epistemic distance, like more remoteness
1: to the idea. It's also purely hypothetical, though. I mean, it's not even possible.
0: That's true. That's
1: true. But
0: by not using the on, so the on would make it uh, even more hypothetical. In fact, the on would say it didn't happen. And I I know it didn't happen. Um, But by not using it, he's leaving the indicative mood, which is used here, to have its full force of vividness. The on would make it remote and, and uh, would indicate this didn't happen at all. And we know, they know from the circumstance that didn't happen at all. But by not using the on, he's just leaving the indicative to sit there. And I think what this does is it ramps up the concreteness of this as a real heartfelt possibility that this they really wanted to do this um and so this would be a kind of a friendship motif this the fact that they would even help paul with regard to some need that he might have so and this is because of this verse people think that the weakness of the flesh is a sight ailment that Paul has some ailment of his eyes, and that when he preached the gospel to them, he needed, he needed a lot of help, and you know whatever that he was need to be led around or whatever, and and maybe uh, people, you know, in the ancient world, if someone had some kind of physical ailment, this could be seen as a a curse of God, right? That the fact that you're that you're deformed or have an ailment could be a sign that you're under the disapproval of the gods or or God. So that's one that's the traditional way that this verse has been read. And I've been proposing a different way of reading it. I think this idea of plucking out the eyes is just uh it just shows William. the extent to which they were friends of his. It's, it's an extreme kind of action that they could have taken just hypothetically. Yeah. So if it's even possible, which we know it's not. See, that's what the on would have communicated, but we know it's not. But Paul doesn't have the on there. And I think it's to make this even more poignant of a, of a point to say that you you gave it to me. You you would have ripped it out and given it to me. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I do tend to think that Paul had some eyesight trouble. I don't think that was his thorn in the flesh. I think that's a completely different thing. Uh, I, I, I'm a little, this verse would make me lean toward thinking maybe he did, but then you have all the, like, I write in such large letters and, uh, that kind of thing. Um, there seems to be maybe some hints. I wonder if, if understanding the the "I" comment here doesn't necessarily have to be what's driving the force of the weakness of the flesh comment. That's um, but That's right. that they can both exist. <laughs> Right, that that when he's talking about the weakness of the flesh, he's talking about uh, sort of the inability of the flesh to fulfill the law. Yeah. Right, in all of its perfectness. Um, But then he's also just giving a literal bodily analogy here with his eyes that's a weakness of the flesh. I don't know. So I think the two can be held in tension or held together uh, even without tension. But... Yeah.
0: Well, I, um, yeah, I want to resist that. Um, but, uh, it could be just a, a simple friendship topic. Um, and this is where, you know, I'm sure the scholars had looked, have looked for this. I haven't done it. Uh, but, uh, I, I would, I would suspect that, pulling things out and giving it to your friends is a friendship tapas that Paul Paul is drawing upon.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt maybe that's an idiom, but here's another thing to consider. And I'm just noticing this as we're talking. So he says, you welcomed me as a messenger of God, as Christ Jesus. So maybe that doesn't mean you welcomed me as if I was Jesus, but you welcomed me as you would have welcomed Jesus. And uh-huh. I think this this curious here, this ex there, this whole spitting and Jesus, how he spit on people's eyes and healed them. So this may be uh, the petuo, right? Uh, maybe another connection, the way you welcome me as in the case mm-hmm. of Jesus, where he spit on somebody's eyes and rubbed them and healed them. Like, you would have done the same for me, just like Jesus did.
0: Mm. Uh, f- for need of healing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. In- yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case because this verb patuo is a anamana. Onomatop- is it anamanaia? Right. Yeah. Like it yeah. sounds like what it is, and as it is today. It was that way too, that you spit on people as a sign of, of disrespect and, and, uh, rejection. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, possible word evocation of spitting in regard to healing. Um, yeah, uh, that's interesting. The large, what is, I was, I've been a little bit distracted here. I'm looking at Adolf, uh, Deisman's, uh, Book on um, light from the ancient Near East, where he he has these papyri that were written by scribes. These letters that were written by letter uh, letter amanuenses or scribes or secretaries, and then the 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 one who's sending it, like the author of it, who's dictating the scribe is writing. They will pick up a pen and write, and I'm pretty sure almost 100 percent sure that the handwriting is larger at the bottom of the letter mm. or on the back page of the letter. So the, the fact that Paul says look at with which large you know things I'm I'm writing a letter doesn't mean that he's got bad eyesight. It just it just yeah. that's what it looked like at the end. And that's because the scribes are trained for efficiency to write and then someone else picks it up and just, you know, does a, you know, scribble something out in an undisciplined uh, sort of way. Yeah. So that you know, awesome. No, I mean,
1: you, you do have Acts 9 where Paul sees the light on the road to Damascus and goes blind. And then even in the Acts of Paul and Thecla, when his eyes are described, they're described as like hollow eyes. Like, I assume that means bad sight or poor sight. Mm-hmm. So I think... Uh, I think there are some some clues that maybe Paul's site was affected but uh, maybe it was only temporarily maybe it was long term certainly temp- temporarily with the the um Axe 9 event but um yep
0: yep yeah. I'm, uh, and, I'm willing uh, to concede or consider consider that <laughs> uh, <laughs> um that that maybe um the the un, what the un would signal, is a new development, and so there's a kind of a new, a new, um, a new uh, idea is being introduced here, and that is the the positive regard with respect to Paul's person. Where is your blessedness? Yeah. For I testify to you, um, yeah, I I could. I could go along with that. Um, in other words, it's something distinct from what he's been arguing prior, especially verse 13, the weakness of the flesh. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, Wow. Well, is there anything else? So you have, no, uh, I,
1: I'm really struck too by Macarismos. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that throws me back, of course, to the Beatitudes and Jesus and, um, so I it, It's interesting to me that he didn't use Like charis uh, or Some form of that here Where therefore is your joy Why, why macarismos mm-hmm. And I know um, you're, you're using that To reference back to Paul But I'm really intrigued by that as we're reading And I want to I want to dwell on that a little bit more About what exactly Is he referring to with their Blessedness um
0: yeah why would um why would he put it in that way um why would use that term what kind of how would that how would that blessedness have been experienced socially or inter interpersonally like in what regard would that have been would that have been been felt would it been how would it have been experienced yeah 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 i think it's a good question yeah. All right. So
1: um, you got a parting shot?
0: Yeah. I, before I do, just this participle in verse 15 is directly abutted to the main verb. It's pre-nuclear, directly abutted, plucking out, you would have given your eyes to me. That's a mm. procedural participle. Remember, the further away the the circumstantial participle from the main verb, it's more likely a transition or a framework participle, providing a framework. But what I begin to notice is that participles that are circumstantial, that are directly abutted to the front of the main verb, are procedural in nature. And you can see how this is, in fact, the case here. This is what you would have to do before you could give it to somebody. So I just uh, throw that out there uh, as something Mm. to think about. Okay, so a parting shot. What you are is God's gift to you. What you become is your gift to God. And that is by Hans Urs von Balthasar. I think I've used that one before. Anyway, it seems familiar to me, but it's a good quote.
1: Well, yeah. All right. Thanks, uh, thanks to everyone for watching or listening, supporting the podcast. We hope you'll share it with others. It's it's going really well. It's growing, and uh, we're excited to see that. Uh, we hope to keep adding. We got some, uh, you know, news coming in March with regard to the podcast, March of twenty twenty three. Um, we're looking to. Uh, to add on, so we'll, we'll give you more details about that later. I don't even know when this episode's gonna air, so maybe post March, who knows? But, um, podcast is growing and doing really well. Thanks, Fred, for your involvement, and thanks there again to everybody for watching and listening. Thanks for um, all your work,
0: Michael. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, thanks, Fred. Been a lot of work, yeah. Uh,
1: shout out to my daughter, too, who's been late as of late helping. Uh, put some of these together and edit some of them. So she's doing a good job um, with the videos. So, all right. Well, uh, until next time, Aloha. See ya. Interested in growing your ancient language skills, but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to GlossaHouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.